Okay, so last week we talked about the Holy Spirit upon getting baptized in the Spirit, and this week we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit within. Um, but before we start verses, and we start going through Bible verses, um, there's some truths that I wanted to get inside our spirits first that I want you to be thinking of in light of things when I go through the verses. So these truths are really important, and here they are. The Holy Spirit, and this I've said this before, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ, all the same Spirit. In the Word, they refer to him as different names sometimes. As we know, we, in, in John, he was called the Spirit of Truth, the Spirit of, of Counsel, and Spirit of Might. So when those are just different words for the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the authors in the New Testament will call the Holy Spirit a name that tells what he does. Does that make sense? But the Spirit of the living God, the Spirit of Christ, is the same thing as the Holy Spirit. And when we receive the Holy Spirit, we literally receive the inmost life of God himself to dwell in us in a personal way. And this is what is so cool about it. It's not outside of us as a force. He's literally, we get God himself to come and dwell in us. And I know that's hard to wrap our minds around, but it's so personal and so lovely when you think about that. That Then the means by which Christ dwells in us is, of course, the Holy Spirit. That's the way he's chosen to dwell in us. And I'll speak a little bit more about that later on tonight. So although he's invisible, he's real, and he can be perceived, and we can see and hear and feel him working in us. And we can recognize him when he's speaking. He is the one, capital capital O, the Holy Spirit is the one called to our side to help us in every single way. And we've talked about that a lot in the second week when we talked about John 14, 15, and 16. He is the one who has come to help us in every way. So through the Holy Spirit, we are able to come to a true living knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. Because remember what we've talked about before, that's what he came to do to make Jesus famous in us, to make Jesus alive in us, to, to bring his presence into us and make it known. That's the whole Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit doesn't speak on his own. He only does what he hears and sees Father and Jesus doing. So, really, the Holy Spirit is a wonderful gift that Jesus and the Father have given to us. Remember he said in John 14, I will not leave you as orphans. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So, now that we're going to go to some verses, the first question I want to ask, so is this all automatic? Well, will we receive the Holy Spirit automatically and all these benefits of the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is a lot like you getting saved. So let's talk about how you got saved and what happened at salvation. And we receive the Holy Spirit a lot in the same way that we, the way we got saved. So God had a part, and then we have a part. And his part was to send Jesus to die on the cross for us, right? And then our part is to do what? Receive that for ourselves and receive that gift. If we don't receive that gift, then salvation is not ours. And the Holy Spirit is the same way. We receive the Holy Spirit by faith, by asking for more of him, like Luke 9, 11, 13. Remember that? 
We ask for more of the Holy Spirit and we receive by faith with what the Word says. So we receive the Holy Spirit by faith, just like we get saved by faith. The issue is we're so used to salvation message that we get it now, but this message isn't quite as familiar to us as the salvation message to us. Does that make sense? So we got to put ourselves daily in a posture to receive the Holy Spirit so he can work in us and teach us. And what's the posture? Before we go into our verses, I want to talk about our posture. Hey, Dar. And so the posture is surrender to the Holy Spirit and humility along with prayer asking for his help. So we, we go with what the Word says, that he came to help us, he came to strengthen us, he came to comfort us, and we receive that and we surrender to him because we know he's the Lord and he's God and he's safe and he's loving and he's good. So we surrender to that with humility and ask for help. So the best thing we can say is, I don't know how to, because that's where you want to be, because he does know. He does know exactly what you need. And he's waiting for you to tell him he does, that you don't know how to do something, or you aren't able, or you're, you don't have the wisdom that you need to do a certain situation. So that is a great place to be. So, you know, the verse Galatians 2.20 said, I am crucified with Christ, but it is not I who live, but Christ who lives within me. He lives in us through the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at another verse. So now we can get our Bibles out, and we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians 6.19. And this gives us a really, this gives us actually a picture of what's happening here. 1 Corinthians 6.19. And here's what it says. Do you not know that your body is the temple, the very sanctuary of the Holy Spirit? who lives within you, whom you have received as a gift from God. You are not your own. So we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Let's read another verse, and we'll turn to John 7, 37. John 7, 37, and this is Jesus talking. Um, so Jesus, let me set the context for you here. He's at the Feast of tabernacles and they're doing the big water ceremony and jesus says these words during that ceremony now now on the final and most important day of the feast jesus stood and as he cried in a loud voice if any man is thirsty let him come to me and drink he who believes in me who trusts in and relies on me as the scripture has said from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water but he was speaking here of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were afterward to receive. For the Holy Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified and raised to honor. So we have rivers of living water flowing in us and out, in us and out. We were never meant to just bottle it up. We were meant to use it and get more. and get. We are meant to actually leak. <laughs> we, we are actually meant to leak to leak the Holy Spirit so that we carry the kingdom of God wherever we are, which means we're going to need a constant refilling of the Holy Spirit. So I think it's a great idea for us all to ask Jesus every morning in our prayer time for more and more of the Spirit today. It's like manna for the day. 
what you got from yesterday isn't going to carry over for today, so we need to ask for more today, more and more of the Spirit every day to accomplish what God has set out for you that day. Now let's read another verse in John, since we're already there. Uh, just turn back a couple pages to John 6, 63. John 6 has a lot of verses. Verse 63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. He is the life giver. The flesh conveys no benefit whatever. There's no profit in it. And the words and truths that I've been speaking to you are spirit and life. One more verse. But still some of you fail to believe and trust and have faith. For Jesus knew from the first who did not believe and did not have faith and who would betray him or be false to him. So we receive the spirit by faith. We receive the spirit by faith just like we do for salvation. He is a gift. And this is how we tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. We tap into the power of the Holy Spirit by faith. We don't necessarily have to feel anything. We can maybe, but we don't need to. We just accept it by faith because of what the Word says. Amen? And this, this is also, this can be for individuals and it can be for churches. A church, churches need to be filled with the Spirit too, and individuals as well. So they can go and bring the kingdom of God wherever they are. Amen? Okay. Now, here's a wonderful passage, and I'm going to read this out of a different book. But if you want to turn to Ephesians 3, 14, or just listen. But I showed you this book last week. It's such a great book. This is very comprehensive, Presence and Work of the Holy Spirit. But he says it better than I can, so I'm just going to read it, because it's so great. Um, I'm going to read the passage for you, and then I'm going to read some of the stuff that he says about that. So Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. And so Paul is writing and he says this, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. There's that by faith again. That's like the third verse we've read that says by faith so that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which pass, passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And here the power of the Spirit, he says, manifests itself not in just giving us victory in, over sin, but in four things. Christ dwelling in us, our being rooted and grounded in love, and our being made strong to comprehend with all the saints the bright love of Christ and to be filled with all his fullness. So it's the work of the Holy Spirit to form the living Christ in us, dwelling deep down in the deepest part of our being. This is the secret of the Christian life, and that's what the Holy Spirit comes to do. Bring Christ Make him real to us. Make him very, very real and very practical and personal. So I just thought I'd read that. I love that. Um, he does for us what we cannot do. So now we're going to turn to Romans, which is part of your homework. So let's go to Romans 8. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 4 in Romans 8. 
homework ready? You want to for me? Um, for for tonight, the homework was Romans eight. That's oh, not for next week. For next week no, not you. Okay. No, no, I'll tell you that later. But thanks for reminding me, though. Don't let me forget that. So Romans eight one through four, and I'm going to read that out of my out of my Amplified Bible. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit is life, which is in Christ Jesus. He has freed me from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law could not do, his power being weakened by the flesh. The entire nature of man, the flesh is the entire nature of man without the Holy Spirit sending his own son in the guise of a sinful flesh as as an offering for sin, so that the righteous and just requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who live and move not in the ways of the flesh, but in the ways of the Holy Spirit, completely controlled by the Holy Spirit. So here he talks about the Spirit being a spirit of life, the life-giving Spirit. And so we could also say, Really, the opposite would also be true. Without the spirit of life, we don't have the life. We don't have, without the spirit, there is no life. So all through Romans, if you read Romans 8 this week, this is what we, and I'm not going to read it because of time, but all through Romans 8, Paul keeps using similar language, walking, living, being controlled, pursuing um, seeking, submitting, and being led by the Holy Spirit. These are all action verbs, super active. So this really, when you read through that, I wrote all those verbs, I wrote them all down. There's zero passivity on our part here. We, he gives us the Spirit, but we're to grab hold and walk and submit and be led and do all these things as an active participant in the process. So when we do and choose and go after and live, we will, we will grab hold of the Spirit. So it's not just something that happens to us. We go after him and we choose him. Does that make sense? So this might explain why we have a lot of Christians walking around who are immature and unfruitful. Um, they're not pursuing the Holy Spirit. They're not walking in the Spirit. They're not choosing the Spirit. And they're just trying to do life on their own and trying harder and harder and harder. And they're not getting anywhere. So the Holy Spirit was has here because we were never meant to do this life on our own. Never, never, never. I Let's. Have a yes. And maybe you're gonna get to this. So yeah. I'm jumping yes. Ahead, but when um, you say that, like, I think, do I every day have to choose the Spirit, or? You can. Right. You can. But like, I, I in my head, I like, I choose the Spirit. Looks like I chose my husband. I guess I choose right, right, him every right. day too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, you know what? It's either or. I, every day in my prayer, I just say, Lord, fill me fresh with the Holy yeah. Spirit. Just just empower me today and fill me with your Spirit. Just to get to get me ready for whatever is coming upon my day. I just do that. You don't have to doesn't do that. Hurt. It doesn't hurt. That's, that's kind of how I look at it. It doesn't hurt to do that. It takes me like two seconds to say right, that. Right. So I think more of it is a mindset. Um I don't want to get legalistic mm-hmm. about things because the Holy Spirit is so not legalistic. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do whatever you feel comfortable with, but really it's an awareness of I'm walking in the Spirit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when you find yourself in an interesting situation, pausing and say, hmm, what do you think? Mm-hmm. What would you like me to do, say or go? Mm-hmm. What do you want me to know here? 
instead of just plunging ahead in our own, I mean, you know, he's got way better ideas than I do. So many, yeah. So it's just that awareness of asking him, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, more than getting legalistic as to worrying about okay, right. what are the exact steps. Yeah, because yeah. he knows our hearts and he knows our motives. And that's really the thing, that we are motivated to follow the Spirit. Okay, so let's, we're still in, in Romans, so let's move down a bit to Romans 8.13. So now we're talking about ways that the Holy Spirit walks, works within us. And so forth. And so this, in this particular verse, this talks about the Holy Spirit leading us away from the flesh. Because we don't want to walk in our own flesh. We want to walk in the Spirit. So listen to what Romans 8.13 says. For if you live according to the dictates of the flesh, you will surely die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you are putting to death the deeds prompted by the body, you shall really live and genuinely live forever for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. I love that. So our flesh is not only sin, things that we shouldn't do. Our flesh is our own rational get her done type of thinking that we're used to doing on our own. But like I said before, the Holy spirit has better ideas than we do. If we would only ask. Okay, let's keep going on. Uh, let's do Romans uh, 14, 15, and 16. So I started on 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For the Spirit which you have received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more to bondage, to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, producing sonship. That's how we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are children of God. So this is another thing the Holy Spirit does. He literally brings us into the family of God and says, you are a son, you are a daughter, and this is permanent. So we are now in God's family through the Holy Spirit. And he reminds us that. So we can approach God the way a child would, the way any child, great parent would. Always think of the perfect parent, that's the father. So we, we are sons and daughters through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can approach the throne of grace at any time, in time of need. Okay? Let's keep going in Romans. A couple more verses, and then we're going to switch it up a little bit. Uh, Romans 8.26. So, too, the Holy Spirit comes to aid and bears us up in our weakness, for we do not know what prayer to offer nor how to offer it worthily as we ought to. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplications and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. So the Spirit bears us up when we're weak. The Spirit comforts us when we're weak, and he helps us to even pray. So when we don't know what to do, or even how to pray, the Holy Spirit is there to teach us. And he actually, this says, he actually prays for us and intercedes to God on our behalf. That's so. That's our, that's our advocate. That's our standby that he is. So that is super powerful. And so when we don't know what to pray, we just stop and let the Holy Spirit pray and then ask him, what can I pray? That's so sweet. That is so precious to know that. 
because often we don't know what the right thing to do is and the right thing to pray. And so we seek his face on that. I love that. When I am weak, he's always strong. All right, let's do verse 27, the right next one. Um, and this he says, And the Holy Spirit, who searches the hearts of men, knows what is in the mind of the Holy knows what is what is in the mind of the spirit what his intent is because the spirit intercedes and pleads before god on behalf of the saints according to and in harmony with god's will this is huge the holy spirit helps us know what god's will is and how to pray according to god's will because whenever we pray god's will he's going to answer that god need god needs us to come into agreement with him and the holy spirit helps us to do that because he knows what's on God's heart, and he can tell us, and he can pray for us and intercede for us. And that is very powerful. So when I say, I don't know what to do, God, I know that he does. A friend of mine said to me a few years ago when I asked her how things were going, and she said, you know, Marta, I am literally at my wit's end, and I just... I spit this back to her, and I thought, oh, this is not kind. I said, great, that's where God lives. But you know what? And then after I said that, she went, oh, my gosh, you're right. This is not a bad place to be. And it's not a bad place to be. When you're at your wit's end and you've surrendered it to the Lord, he's like, okay, I've just been waiting for you to try all the things that you normally want to try and come to me when you're done with yourself. And that's where she was at. And the next time I saw her, she said, God worked it all out, and I knew he would, and it was such a precious thing. And that, so when you're at your wit's end and you find yourself saying that, say, oh, this is where God lives. Amen? It's a, it's a, great, it's a great cliche. I do love it. Um, so how do we do this? So how do we get into the presence of the Holy Spirit and allow him to do these things that we've been talking about? And that's the same way that we've been talking about, prayer and worship, getting quiet before the Lord, fixing our eyes on Jesus, and listening to what he has to say. we got to get in his presence. And, and at some point in time, everybody is in a situation where they have to do that because if, if they don't, they don't know what to do. So we've got to find out what God has to say about things. Okay. Questions and comments before I move on. So there's 139 verses about the Holy Spirit in Paul's writings in the New Testament. So I had to pare it down quite a bit, or we'd be here all night. But that's a lot of mentions of the Holy Spirit and how he works. So lest we think it's just a few, there is not just a few. There are, there's a lot of verses. I did think it was interesting and probably necessary to define what worship is, because I'm not sure people understand what worship means. So here's a great definition, just in case you want one. Worship is bowing down before the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in in adoring acknowledgement of who he is, the living God, and praising him for his glory and perfection. And the reason why it's so important to begin with worship is because we want to plunge into God's presence with our needs and our questions, and we want to blah, 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 blah. We want to spit out everything that is concerning on our heart, but we've got to get into his presence and get our eyes on him before we can before we can present ourselves to him. So when we look at his face, we're looking at him and not our problem. 
So that's why we start with worship always. So let's read John, or you, you don't even have to go there if you don't want to. I can flip real quick. John 4, or you can just jot it down. This is what Jesus has to say about that. John 4, 23. Jesus says, The time will come, however, indeed it is already here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking just such people as his worshipers. For God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. All right, let's flip to another verse, 1 Corinthians 2. And I'm going to read 12 through 16, 1 Corinthians 2. So this verse is about the Holy Spirit giving us spiritual truth and revelation that we cannot get in any other way. So think about that while, while you're listening to me read this. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 16. For now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God, given to us that we might realize and comprehend and appreciate the gifts of favor bestowed on us by God. And we are setting these truths forth in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Holy Spirit. But the natural man cannot accept or welcome this because he does not receive the revelations from the Spirit of God. They are folly to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned and estimated and appreciated. But the spiritual man tries all things through the Holy Spirit, and he is able to see everything and discern everything that the Holy Spirit gives him. So the Holy Spirit is only for believers in Christ because it's spiritually discerned. This is a supernatural discerning of wisdom and discernment. So that's what that verse is about. Um, let's flip over and go to the other thing that was your homework this last week, which was Galatians 5.22. And then we're going to chat about all this stuff in just a second. So Galatians uh, 5, 22, and 23. I know it's a lot of verses. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things, there is no law that can bring a charge. So the Holy Spirit in his presence accomplishes this. I can remember years ago, I read that verse and I thought, well, okay, I'm going to try to have more of those things. And this was before I was really clued into the Holy Spirit much. And the harder I tried to make the fruit of the Spirit in my life, the worse I got. And I was less loving and less patient and less peaceful. And it was even worse because I was trying so hard to do what only the Spirit is able to do. So he imparts this. So that's why we got to ask for more of him because he's going to come in and do the work when we surrender it to him. Does that make sense? So um, no one ever gets more holy or more more, um, moral by trying harder. That would be legalism rule-keeping, and dead religion. And we don't want to walk in that stuff. We want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why I love that verse so much. 
But again, the Holy Spirit will only work in us when we give him the permission and the surrender that he can go deep down in our soul and do the work that he wants to. Because the Holy Spirit comes by invitation. We ask for the Holy Spirit to come and work in us. Do you guys remember that bracelet years ago? Some of you were too young for this. This, the bracelet, the WWJD bracelets said, what would Jesus do? Are they still around? Yeah. Anyway, and so it's kind of funny because it's like, what would Jesus do if he weren't here? So it was inferring that Jesus isn't here and he's left the planet and we're on our own and whatever. And you just got to. And so I know it was meant to jog our brain to what would Jesus do? And so let me just tell you a little bit about that. That, so that's confusion. What would Jesus do? We have no idea what would Jesus do. Because every time he did anything in the New Testament, he did it differently. One time he spit on somebody's eyes. The next time he put mud all over him. He never did anything twice the same way. So we don't know exactly what Jesus would do, do we? But we do have the Holy Spirit, which is the indwelling Christ in us, to help us know what Jesus wants us to do in any given situation. It's too much to put on a bracelet. It's too much. I know. I know. But here's the confusion. This is what I love this. I'm going to read this paragraph to you. The confusion arises because Jesus said he was going away. Remember in John 14? He's going away, and I'm sending you another comforter. So, and, and then he ascends to heaven, right? But as a man, so we think he's gone, but he's not really gone. So as a man... Jesus was with us, but as the spirit of the living Christ, he is in us. So he's actually closer through the Holy Spirit than he's ever been ever at any time. And he can be everywhere at once. He can be all over the world and in all of us at the same time. Before he could either be in Galilee or in Jerusalem, but he could not be in us and he could not be everywhere at once. So this is what the gift, this is such a gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit really is I think we have just skipped over this. At least I know I have. I don't thank him enough for the gifts that he's given us. And I just am so, the more I study this, the more thankful I am. Yeah, because I'm never alone, and I don't have to think about and figure everything else out by myself. And I love that. I'm done with figuring out by myself. I'm so over it. (laughs) Um, So I'm not going to read these verses, but... We, two weeks ago, we did read them. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. We read John 14, 15, and 16. And Jesus came to be our teacher, to be our counselor, to be our comforter, to show us when to, what things were coming, to, to comfort us when we're grieving, to help us to know what to do, even to show us what's to come. The Holy Spirit has come to do all those things. So here's a, a great way to think about the Holy Spirit. We have... The author of the Bible, remember it was spirit-inspired. Every author of each book of the Bible was inspired to write it by the Holy Spirit. So we have the author of the Bible living and breathing and walking in us to help us interpret everything we read and to help us navigate every situation we find in our life. That is a powerful truth, that the author of the Bible lives in Jen Schaefer. That's amazing. That's amazing. And how many years have we lived not realizing this? It's so powerful to me. 
So he can make the Bible come alive, and he does, and we should ask always for the Holy Spirit when we read the Bible to please help me read this with revelation and truth and to interpret it for me because you know what you meant to say, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is so helpful. So I want to read one more verse, and then we're going to just chat about a couple things. Um, Acts 13. We haven't been in Acts today. Acts 13. Um, two through four. And there are a bunch of these in Acts. We're only going to read a couple of them. But there are many in Acts to prove this same point. Um, Acts 13, two through four. And this is when the disciples were all in Antioch trying to make some decisions. And it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Separate now for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. And then after fasting and praying, they put their hands on them and sent them away. And so then, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from that port they sailed away to Cyprus. And now move over to Acts 16, or just listen, whichever. Another another verse that tells how the Holy Spirit directs our steps. Um, 6 through 10. So Paul and Silas passed through the territory of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go to Asia. And when they had come opposite Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And there a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man from Macedonia stood pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, we we concluded at once, endeavor to go on to Macedonia, confidently inferring that God had called us to proclaim the glad tidings of the gospel to them. So here we see that the Holy Spirit shows us what to do, where to go, and what to say. He opens doors and he closes doors because he has a plan and we don't always know what it is until we open ourselves up to what that is. This is so powerful and so helpful. This will save you a lot of time in your life from assignments that God has not called you to, from serving in positions that God has not called you to serve. It's been so helpful to me because I want to say yes to a lot of things, but God hasn't called us to say yes to everything. So he'll, he'll counsel you about things he wants you to be doing, and he'll counsel you away from things he doesn't want you to be doing because he wants us to live a balanced life. So when somebody asks you to do something in serving in the church, you should always respond by, let me pray about that and see what the Holy Spirit has to say. Always, always, always. So many times he has saved me. I cannot tell you how many times somebody has said, oh, you need to come over and, and help this person over here in the church, blah, 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 blah. And I'll look over there, and I'll see four capable women talking to this young woman. They know everything I know. They don't need one more person. So I stop and listen, and I say, is that my assignment? And I hear, nope, move on. And so that is so nice. I don't need to respond to every need I see, because that might be somebody else's assignment, and it's not mine. It has saved me so many times. And it frees me up to do the things God has called me to do so I can live a balanced life and stay in my own lane. Stay in my, I love that phrase, 
staying in my own lane. Just because Cece has this wonderful ministry over here doesn't mean I've got to go over and get involved in what she's got going on because that's her lane. Now, if God calls me to, great, but I always got to check. And this will just save you a lot of time and energy and being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I love about the Holy Spirit. He totally knows. He's ready to direct us and guide us in every way. So how do we, again, get ourselves positioned so that he can help us and direct us? And there are a few things we can do to make sure that we do this well. And the first one, and I really feel like we need to say this stuff out loud, we acknowledge our, our lack of ability in a certain area. We just say, Lord, we just don't know what to do here. We, we really don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. We don't know what you want done. And so we, we acknowledge our lack of ability. Because he's waiting for us to say that. Secondly, we surrender our will and our ways to his. We say, Lord, you know what? I give up my will and my direction and my thoughts about this, and I surrender it to you. And then we ask for his guidance and direction. I want you to show me what you want done here. And then, the, this is the most important step, is expect in faith. If we don't expect in faith, because God always answers this kind of prayer. He wants us to be super dependent on him, asking him all the time. So we expect in faith with no wavering. That means no double-mindedness. That doesn't mean, oh, he's not going to answer. Oh, yes, he is. Oh, maybe he will or maybe he won't. No, you expect in faith that he will answer. And this, friends, is where the enemy is going to try to come in and steal your faith every time. So don't be surprised at this. Just assume he's going to do it because he will. And just say, nope, you're not doing it this time to me. Get out in Jesus' name. He's going to try to derail you. He's, because he's after your faith. That's the biggest thing he's after. Don't let him have your faith. Say, no, I'm trusting God because his word says that when I respond in faith and I expect in faith, he comes through for me every single time. So I want to tell you about a dream I had the other day, just last week, in fact. Um, and the dream is not important, but what, how God helped me interpret it was. So I had a dream that was crazy, and it was a pizza dream, or so I thought. It, none of it made any sense. But I also know that 90% of dreams are symbolic. They aren't about what the dream really is happening. What's really important is the emotions in the dream. So my emotions were I was frustrated. Um, I felt like I wasn't able to work in the situation that I wanted to because it really wasn't my call I, want, I love this person. I want this to work out really well for them, but I really can't intervene and, um, because it's not appropriate for me to intervene. And so I was frustrated and wanted the best for this person, but I didn't know what God wanted me to do. So when I woke up, I wrote down my dream like I always do, and I wrote down, so this daisy method is the dream, the action, the emotions. Emotions are what's important. So where in my waking life am I feeling these things is the emotion. Where in my waking life am I frustrated, feeling out of control, like I would like to make a difference, but it's not appropriate for me to step in? Well, that was easy. That was because there's something in my family that's going on, and I really want to make it work. 
and it's not my role. And so that was an easy thing for me to discover. So I wrote down that situation. And then I said, so Lord, what do you want to say to me about this? What's your, and I didn't really need him to interpret because I knew what the dream was about. But the interpretation, so tell me what you want me to know. So again, so how do I process that? Well, I get quiet. I fix my eyes on Jesus. Not the problem. Because if I fix my eyes on Jesus, on the problem, I'm going to hear my solution to the problem. And my natural, rational, analytical thinking. So I fix my eyes on Jesus. I listen to the thoughts that are coming from him as I look at him. And I write. And I got tons of awesome things, of things that I can do, that I hadn't thought of. Remember, the Holy Spirit's got great ideas. He's super creative, way more creative than we are. I got a whole paragraph of Jesus talking to me about the situation and what my role is and what my role is not. He clarified all that for me in a pretty big paragraph in about two minutes. And I went away feeling lots better about that situation. Now it's not solved, but I know my role and I know the things that I can do to help the situation get better. And that's his role in our life. And we can do that with dreams, with situations, with anything. The Holy Spirit is there to speak and guide and teach and show us what we can do. He's very, very creative. So I just thought I'd share that with you. I love that. Because the Christian life was never meant to be lived in our own strength and our own effort, but daily communicating with him, asking him what he wants done, how he wants things done, and mostly how our perspective can change. Because his perspective is different than ours most of the time. And that's freeing when you get a new perspective on the same old problem. So now you're not just going around the mountain 72 times. You've got this perspective of Jesus himself. So in any way, in, in summary for all this, God has called us to be in relationship with him. And he's doing this by the power of the Holy Spirit because he wants us to hear and receive and dialogue constantly. Give and take, give and take, give and take. And so we do that four steps. We get quiet. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We listen to the thoughts that come when we're looking at him and we journal and we hear what he has to say and we get his perspective on every situation. So this is going to be your homework for this week. So your homework has been kind of, it's been very personal, but it's going to get more personal. So your homework would be this. Pick a situation that you're frustrated with or that you can't solve or whatever. You pick it and you say to God, here's my situation. And what would you like, what would you like to say to me about that? And then you get quiet, fix your eyes on Jesus and write. What would you like to say to me about this situation? Always remember to come to him with one thing at a time so that you don't get confused. And then when you, as you get answers, you can ask him about more things. But pick a situation that's near and dear to your heart. And another question that you might ask along with this, what is my role in this situation? And if your perspective is different than mine, tell me what that is. Those are all really good questions. So your homework for next week is, is 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14.
And I still want to encourage you to buy this book. So I'm going to show it to you again. Overflow of the Spirit is just lovely. I can't possibly cover everything in here. Um, it's just a nifty way of, he just talks about the Holy Spirit in such a personal way, unlike any author I've ever read. He really does talk about the Holy Spirit as his best friend and his best friend counselor with him wherever he goes, bringing the kingdom of God wherever he goes. And it's such a great way to live our life. And he's been doing this for a long time. Overflow of the Spirit. It's an excellent book. So next week, we got three more weeks. Um, from now on, it's going to get really practical, like real practical. So we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to talk about the baptism of the Spirit again and how we, how we get into the gifts of the Spirit and why they're for today and how we can do those in everyday life. They aren't for just pastors and leaders. They're for everyday Christians to operate and bring the kingdom of God wherever we happen to go, wherever we happen to work, our families, wherever. We can bring the kingdom of God through the gifts everywhere. And we're going to talk about how to do that in a very ordinary, practical ways that don't seem churchy and that don't seem religiosity and all that stuff. So it's going to be quite good. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's gifts were meant to be lived. And we're going to talk about that next week. So comments, questions.